All right, we're firing up a pet chat for our Wednesday today. First up, uh, the ladies are back. Good afternoon, <laughs> Dr. Fiona. Hello. How are you, Mark? We found out a few minutes before we just started that you've actually got a complete other skill set other than veterinary <laughs> science. That is that of, of knitting and sewing. Well, knitting, no. no sewing, sewing, yes. No, I do very much enjoy it. We've got three girls, so I used to make the matching outfits, but that doesn't go down so well anymore. All right, so, <laughs> so, so instead of make me a sandwich, just make me a jumper, right? A dress, maybe. Skirt. Hello, Cheryl. <laughs> Cheryl Shaw, who uh, also is here. And you've colour-coordinated fantastically today. Oh, thank you, Mark. Um, you've got the, the black, white, pink outfit on, mm-hmm. and the, we're on brooch watch as always, mm. and those colour schemes coming through. Now, That is is that a proper pretend animal on your brooch well, today? Because I've got no idea what that is. Okay, so it's an axolotl. What's that? Okay, Mark. So we're I'm being to... serious. I don't know what that is. <laughs> this may be the pet for you. Okay, sounds mm-hmm. love sounds lovely. Yeah, they're happy, they're smiling, they're solitary. Oh, fantastic. They could fit into your lifestyle. They really could, couldn't they? <laughs> All right. Pet chat on the way. Cheryl Shaw is here, Dr. Fiona as well. And g'day, Reuben at Brankston. What's happening with your dog? Well, when she's uh, finished uh, running and barking all day and she's settling down for the night, she seems to be got this habit of licking her feet. Um, how old is she, Reuben? Uh, she's six year old. And has she always been doing it, or is it a new thing? No, I think it's just something she's just started doing. Are her feet red or sore, have you noticed, or swollen? Well, she runs all day. Uh, she's sort of got the copy, you know. She's sort of... No, no, she doesn't seem to be a favour of feet when she's running around or anything. No. Okay, and have you had a look at them closely at all, Ruben, to see what they look like? Yeah, yeah, I've sort of handled them. I, 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 doesn't seem to do anything if you touch them or... Okay. And uh, is it something that's been... How long would you say it's been happening for? Oh, it's, it's probably only just happened over the last week and a bit. Okay, so quite recently. Yeah. Uh, look, the first thing I would suggest, Ruben, if you've had a good look at them and they're de- definitely to start with, have a really good look between the pads. Um, if she's a farm dog, obviously we want to make sure we haven't got grass seeds anywhere. So check them all over for any redness or swelling or any sores. If you're not seeing anything like that, um, I guess there's the possibility if she's been running too much, maybe she does actually just have some sore feet. And if neither of those scenarios, um, yeah, if neither of those are the problem, then it may be we've just got some really mild allergies. So um, heading to any of your pet stores or any of your vets for some gentle sort of soothing allergy shampoo would be a good place to start would be my suggestion. Okay. Yeah, she does do a lot of running, like especially if where we live when the hot air balloons run over, she'll, she'll run and bark and run and mm-hmm. run and... So yeah, she spends a lot of time on the feet, she does, yeah. Yeah, if you, notice, if you notice it's happening a lot after a really long active day, it may be she's just overdoing it a little bit. So maybe just be mindful of that. Um, and, you know, if you think she's going to be having a big day, then maybe just pull her up a bit short so she doesn't get those sore feet. Oh, okay. Well, thanks very much for that. My pleasure. See you later. All right, Ruben, all the best. 49216216 is the number to call. Uh, you'll be on with our Pet Chat team uh, this afternoon. And, uh, look, the, the question is, I mean, is that something for you, we see a lot in terms of uh, dogs licking their feet when we can't necessarily identify like a... Uh, uh, An injury yeah, something. or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, licking feet is very, very 
often um, an allergy sign. Um, okay. So there can be nothing going on anywhere else on the skin. Everything can look normal. But if they're lick, 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 lick their feet, often it's at night or often it's when they've settled down for the day or they haven't got anything else to distract them. And we often have owners coming in saying, I think they're doing it just to annoy me. Um, but they're not licking their feet to annoy the owner. Uh, they're licking it because there's an irritation. They could be there. licking your feet. That'll make you annoyed that way. <laughs> I haven't had that one before, but uh, there we go. Well, that's, it takes all types. <laughs> G'day, Norell. It's Stockton. Your one-year-old mini poodle is um, uh, sort of trying to be in charge of the household by the sound of things. Yes, yes. She's only just turned one, and um, she throws these tantrums by chewing the, the grass around her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this morning she did it again, and she actually tried to nip me because she wants to go over to where the noise is, like over to tractor, or if there's other dogs that she doesn't know, she throws the tantrum, and I'm just not sure what to do with her. Yeah, sure. Can you describe what she's doing a little bit more for me, Narelle? Yeah, well, like if there's a little um, noise of a tractor or those um, uh, electric um, carts that the elderly people have, she'll want to go over to it, but mm-hmm. I won't let And because of that, she'll, if there's grass there, she'll chew the grass and throw it up in the air and and, <laughs> and bark and get really cranky because I'm not letting her go over to it. Yeah, okay, okay. And is that something that she's always done? Um, it's only been the last, say, two months. Okay. Okay. Uh, look, a couple of, couple of tips, Narelle. Definitely, I think we've got a lot of room to um, move here. Um, poodles are really, really smart. Um, yeah. And she knows exactly what she wants. And it's not what you're telling her. <laughs> and her eating the grass and throwing it around and barking and that sort of thing is, is a distraction and displacement behaviour that she's doing to try and calm herself down a little bit and uh, distract her from the fact that she can't do what she wants to do because she's frustrated um, mm-hmm. that she wants to do these things and you won't let her. But part and parcel of living into being a pet in today's society is that you can't necessarily do what you want when you want. Um, yeah. So I would definitely, um, Narelle, be contacting, if you're not currently doing dog training with her or behaviour stuff with her, she's so smart, she needs mental stimulation. Okay. Right. Um, so be working on, you know, if she sees something that she wants, for example, you need to have done the groundwork with sit, stay, look, shake, whatever it is you want to teach her so that you can distract her and then reward her for her good behavior when those things are around. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I've been taught. I went through six months old. We went to puppy school. Yeah. So I've learned a little bit there. Um, and uh, another thing that um, I've been trying to get her to do is uh, we throw food down to say fine. Yeah. So that has helped a little bit, but I think I might have to go back to puppy school. Yeah, look, there's plenty of classes for older dogs, Narelle. Um, mm. So a lot of people think that when they finish puppy preschool, that's it. Um, but yep. that's really not it, particularly when you've got an intelligent dog that needs mental stimulation um, yes. because otherwise they will develop bad habits. Um, yep. So I think, you you know, it's good that you're onto it and um, mm. I'd be uh, seeking further advice and working on that training for you. 
Best of luck, Norel. Uh, of course, Cheryl Shaw or Dr. Fiona. But of course, in the meanwhile, you uh, will have the chance to hear Cheryl Shaw. She brings in, I would have thought this, you know, nine out of ten times it's a dog type topic, maybe a cat. Today you actually brought it, talked about talking about an animal I didn't even know existed until <laughs> half an hour ago. You can laugh at me if you like, but <laughs> no, no, no. The, the axolotl. Well, we're and, here and to help cu- educate too, Mark. And so what that's a, a good thing. And what a cutie, by the way. Uh, the, the fish, I mean. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, some people don't actually think mm. they're cute. Some people call them all sorts of names, like Pokemon and <laughs> <laughs> dinosaur sperm and Goofy. Oh. They're a bit weird, but you know they look like Pokemon type creatures. They do, don't they? Yeah. But. You know what? They're not actually a fish. They're an amphibian. I'm already wrong at the start. (laughs) Okay, so... I called it a fish. They do live in water, though. But often people refer to them as a Mexican walking fish. And the reason that they do that is because they get confused with the salamander, which actually can go on land. But these little guys can't. So they started out their lives in the lakes in Mexico City. And what happened many years ago, they used to be used for consumption of for food and they're also sold in the markets but unfortunately with the progression of man and lots of habitat being destroyed also invasive um, critters that are going into those lakes and eating these things they actually have been listed as near extinction there's probably only yeah there's very few left they've done a count and they think there's between 50 to a thousand max in the two lakes in wow. Mexico City. So they are on the endangered list. But what can happen here is sometimes people keeping certain things, like many years ago, people kept Goulian finches. They became extinct in the wild in Australia, but because they were bred in house and in people's aviaries, they were able to re release them back into the wild. So, this is an, a, an interesting creature that we really do need to preserve. They've got so many wonderful benefits, but as a pet, they're really simple to look after. They just require a, a, a large pond or, or, or um, mm. aquarium, whatever you would like to keep them in, but you need to make sure that the water is kept at about 19 degrees because if it's not, they will succumb. And they need sand as a substrate on the bottom of their, their container. And the sand is used for a couple of reasons. One is to help them to digest their food. So that that helps to grind up their food to enable them to eat it. And the other thing is that if you put down... Hang on, how Mm. how how does that work? What do they... they does it roll the food in the sand? Is that what they do? No, what? they actually they eat it as they well. They eat bite-sized pieces of food and then they go down and take some sand and they, they've got sort of a really large mouth so they sort of shovel a bit of sand into their mouth as well and that goes into their system and helps to break down that food and so it's a, a really important aspect of how they eat. And when you feed them, they, they feed on things like um, there's, there's commercial pellets you can get for them but they do like insects as well so you can buy your grasshoppers or your crickets and they like mealworms, stuff like that. And when you feed them, it's really important not to just sort of place it in like you would would a, a fish, you know, how you put the, the fish mm, food on the on top. On the top there. Yeah, mm. these, they really do need to be hand-fed. And by hand-feeding them, it's best That's to feed... That's a little bit lardy-dar, isn't it? Oh, That's... yeah, it's, it's, you know, get out the special <laughs> tweezers um, or maybe you can use a food pick and you put the piece of food that you're going to give them into that tweezer or food pick hold it above the water and they'll come up and take it from you. So they actually get to know who their owners are, who feeds them. So they do, if you're passing by their container, they'll come up to sort of see, are you going to feed me now? (laughs) 
So feeding them that way, but also going back to the sand, some people put gravel in the bottom of their container and that's a no-no because the gravel is then ingested by them and unfortunately it can come obstructed and then they can all get all sort of internal problems. So it's really important to make sure that they've got sand and also somewhere to hide, so some plants or um, a rock that they can hide behind so that they've just got some protection. Another thing is they're nocturnal. So if you're home at night, they're quite nice to feed at night and watch them you know, swim around and race around their little container. But keep a lid on it because if you don't, they're likely to jump out. Some get quite active <laughs> at night time. And the other thing is you shouldn't really be touching them if you can avoid it because they don't have scales like fish. So okay. they've got skin and that skin is really soft and fine. And if you're touching them, you can actually damage that skin and then you'll get bacteria and fungus mm. and cause disease. Mm. But they are so interesting. The other thing is that if something – well, they can't come out on land because like the salamander, the salamander actually has gills to begin with and then those gills turn into lungs but the axolotl doesn't do that it stays immature or basically forever it's like Peter Pan doesn't <laughs> grow up it doesn't actually go through the natural metamorphosis of being young to adult so they stay young all of their life they just get they get older in age but they still stay juvenile Fascinating, aren't they? Yeah, they are fascinating but the other thing about them is that if they are to lose a limb or a gill or anything like that, they can grow back. And this is where they become that we need to look out for these little creatures because in science they use them a lot and they're trying to work out why they can regrow back their organs. They can even grow back part of their eyes, part of their brains, wow. the frontal part of their brain. And their limb, if they lose a leg, say another axolotl cuts off their leg or chops off their leg or bites it away, they'll grow that limb back to being perfect. It's DNA to the actual how it should be. So this is why they're really interesting. I had one many years ago that my cat had sort of um, had a bit of a game with <laughs> and he grew back his leg, which was very interesting. But they are just so unique. They're so, um, I mean, I think they're quite ugly but pretty on the same same page. You know, they, they seem to always be smiling. They're just easy mm -hmm. to keep as long as you are making sure that you're cleaning their water so you're taking out, you know, the, the urine and... Um, and the nitrates from the water just to keep everything happy. I and mean, that's like any animal you own, you have to do your husbandry. So, yeah, axolotl might be the one for you, Mark. You talked about learning. We've learned a lot here. I mean, I've learned a lot. Yeah, yeah. This regeneration of limbs and yeah. parts of their eye and yeah. parts of their but brain. You know, another, I know a few people that might come in handy too, actually. <laughs> but you know what? Another thing is they're actually <laughs> deaf. They don't have any ears at all. Pardon? They're deaf, that's right. Okay, yeah, mm -hmm. gotcha. And they don't have <laughs> eyelids, so keeping them out of the bright light's important as well. So they're just, yeah, they're just unusual. And the water temperature around 19 degrees. I mean, yeah. you'd almost want to go for a swim yourself. with yeah. this, wouldn't you? Easy, um, easy peasy. Axolotl. Get into it. Two in URFM 103.7. We'll uh, continue continuing with Pat Chat this afternoon. We'll get to you, Joan, in half a sec here. Uh, but first, Cheryl Shaw is here, Dr. Fiona as well. Now, Tom gave us a call the last couple of minutes asking the question, Dr. Fiona, for his dog with that, or four dogs with anxiety, citronella collars, yes, no, maybe. No. Hang on. Try that again. No. No. Thank you very much. <laughs> would, you, would you like the more detailed version? Yeah, why? <laughs> <laughs> uh, or why still, not? Still a no. Mm. Um, so dogs bark for a reason, um, and the citronella collar will deter them from barking, but it doesn't get rid of the underlying reason that they're barking. 
So if, for example, they bark when you leave the house and then you put a citronella collar on, they will know that when they've got the collar on, they'll get sprayed so they don't bark. But then if the citronella runs out or the collar doesn't go on, you're just instantaneously back to that behaviour that you're Mm -hmm. trying to avoid. The best way to train, to get a dog to stop barking is with training and with time and with absolute dedication and sometimes with medication. Thank you very much. Good and enough. it's still a no. Oh, it's still no. <laughs> very much no. a no. Got that message. <laughs> it wasn't me that was putting the citronella collar. No, no it's, it's always great to have an opportunity to educate people why we recommend what we recommend. G'day, Joan at Fletcher. Your one-year-old dog has um, some kennel cough. What's happening? Yes, I've got a one-year-old cattle dog that um, picked up kennel cough about two weeks ago. Still has the same symptoms. I'm just wondering what else I can do besides the medication that the vet has given me and what duration I can interact with other dogs with. Yeah, sure, Joan. So how how is your dog in itself? It's been two weeks. He's had a full uh, antibiotic um, whole packet. He's had the cough medicine now for two weeks. Mm-hmm. He's still coughing, he's now sneezing, his nose is running into his mouth. He's a bit irritated, but he's on the mend. But is there a duration of, of kennel cough, how long it goes for, or is it just like case-by-case case sort of dog? Look, he's, so he's been coughing for two weeks, has he? Yep. And is he getting better, do you think? He is. The first time he, he had a little bit of a, a sneeze and then an irritation, and then within four hours he sounded like a five-year-old with croup. Yeah, he okay. He got, got sick pretty quickly, but... In saying that, I do go to um, the dog park with other cattle dogs to interact with his own sort of breed type thing, and the vet says probably that's where he's picked it up from. So yeah, look, Joan, yeah. there is a lot. I would. I was actually just uh, speaking to Cheryl and Mark before, saying that kennel coffee is absolutely going around Newcastle at the moment. So dog parks. Um, you know, beaches, any areas with high um, dog-to-dog contact. There's a lot of kennel cough going around. Was he fully vaccinated, do you know, when he got yep. the kennel cough? 100%, 100%, yep. Okay, okay. Look, I, and, he, and you've been isolating him during this time? Yeah, actually my kids are trying to use excuses for dog being sick so they cannot go to school. Can it be transferred between... Uh, no, not, yeah, to, not, to, yeah. not to people. Um, they've tried they've tried pretty hard if you have like severe immunocompromised um, illness or you know a very elderly person there is a very very small chance but young healthy people know it's not an issue um, I would certainly yeah look I don't blame them for trying <laughs> I would certainly say Joan at two weeks you really are pushing the boundaries if he's not continuing to get better um, yeah. If you're feeling that there is a genuine improvement, by all means, keep doing what you're doing. But realistically, you're looking for a number of days with no coughing before he would be considered symptom-free and free to go around, out and about. Yeah. But I would be encouraging if it's not settling in the next probably five days, go back to your vet because we want to make sure there's not a, either a secondary infection or something else yeah. actually going on. Okay, no worries. He's still taking the cough medicine, which stops him from coughing. Yeah. So I'm continuously giving that. But once that wears out after your six to eight hour period, he then you gradually it come back. Start, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like, yeah, obviously, a kid having croup, same sort of thing, that really dry, rusty sort of cough. He's certainly showing symptoms longer than I would expect. So, yeah, if in doubt, I'd um, give your vets a call. 
Best of luck with it, Joan. G'day, Denise at Cessnock. Your cat is obsessed with wet food. What's happening, yeah. Denise? Yeah. Well, he's a cat that I only got a few weeks back. He was a rescue cat from a lady that was going into the care. Um, and he's just... I feed... I have got another cat, a rescue cat, and she just, in particular, does like dry food. Yeah. Um, and it's all the best dry food. They have Royal Cannon Fit, Royal Cannon Indoor... Um, Royal Cannon Urinary thrown in as a sort of a preventative and advanced salmon and chicken. Um, he will eat the biscuits through the night, but he's obsessed with the wet food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just jumps all over the place if I don't produce that wet food. Yeah, okay. Look, my first comment, Denise, would be three weeks in, this is a very, very new relationship. Um, you know, the circumstances with the new cat you know, massive upheaval for them, learning the new situation, what they're used to previously, what they're expecting now. So I would be, if the cat's, if the new cat's eating dry food overnight, I'd consider that a success. Um, You know, if they like their wet food during the day, just roll with it for the moment. You know, if in a few months time you want to be weaning off that wet food, that's fine. If you're happy to keep using it, that's fine. But just really early days now. So obviously there's quite a bit of uncertainty for the cat. And if it no, gets... I've had him three months. Sorry, I've had him three months. Oh, three months. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and is it... Sorry, sorry, I thought misunderstood you. I thought you said three weeks. No, um, three months, yeah. Okay. It is still a new relationship, I would say. Yeah. Do you not want to feed wet food? No, no, it's fine, but... Um, if he's got his biscuits there, he'll just yowl and jump up on the cupboard and just keep yowling. And he's eating probably five, maybe six pouches of wet food a day. And how old is he? Well, the lady said that he was four, but he's I'm actually the third owner. Okay. He's microchipped, vaccinated and things like that. Well, the um, first thing you could do, if he's microchipped, is it's likely to have a date of birth on that microchip? So you can tra- you can track his age by that. The other thing is, is he overweight, skinny, normal weight? Oh, no, he's, he's quite heavy. He was quite heavy the day I picked him up. Okay. But the lady was just feeding him whiskers and whiskers wet food. Okay. Um, so has he gained weight, do you think, since you got oh, him? Definitely. Okay, well, he's just like a toddler who's demanding food and you're giving it to him, so then he's demanding more food. Okay, right. <laughs> so well, I would I try. Mind. Yeah, yeah I, I don't mind him having the wet food. That's not a problem. But he's just he he won't he won't eat the the biscuits very much at all through the day. But I hear him because he's in the bedroom with me, and I can hear him and the other cat munching through the night. It wakes me up. Um, but yeah, he's just he just has this total obsession where it's food, food, food. Um, so, yeah, I just thought maybe I might, you know, ask some questions and see if you guys could help me. Yeah, sure. Look, if he was if he was losing weight, Denise, there, and he was an elderly cat, there's certainly um, health issues that could be flagged there. But if he's a relatively young cat and he's fat and he's demanding food, if you're worried, definitely a vet check to do things, um, you know, to, to give him a general health check would be sensible. Yeah. The other thing potentially is a blood test to rule out some different um, 
particularly thyroid and kidney and diabetes issues. But if that comes back as clear, Denise, we've just got a cat that likes food. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) So hearing all of the things that they were eating from Denise earlier on, those cats are eating better than I am. I'm not surprised. That he doesn't want the dry feed at night because yeah. he's, he's eating six sachets of wet food. He's <laughs> probably not hungry. Good. Pet shout on to a new RFM. Cheryl Shaw again, if you missed it earlier on, very, very colour coordinated. The brooch, <laughs> the, uh, the the jumper, the shirt, oh. the jewellery, the glasses. Oh, it's all there. It's, it's all amazing. happening today. With it, we came in with a pretend animal and uh, Dr Fiona as well uh, diagnosing the real ones. G'day, Judy at Ellamore Vale. What's going on with uh, with your uh, animal today? Okay, I have a, a mini schnauzer and she turns 12 in a fortnight. Yeah. But I've, no- I've noticed that um, she, uh, for want of a better word, uh, she licks her twat a bit, but mainly after she has been outside and done a wee, yeah, but she has also now wet the bed, which is my bed, mm-hmm. um, twice in just over a week. Okay, and I'm wa- I'm wondering if she's becoming incontinent with her age, or whether she could have a urinary tract. Or sure. So, is it just recently started, Judy, or has this been an ongoing issue? Um, licking has has been going on for a while. Um, Days, the, weeks, months, years. Um, probably a couple of months. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and, and then yeah. two episodes, did you say, of wetting the bed? Yes, which she didn't even know. Yeah, okay, okay. Posts, the two things you mentioned, Judy, are the two things that I'd be wanting to screen for. Um, uh-huh. So definitely wanting to uh, get a urine sample into your vet, okay, yep. to check for a urinary tract infection. Uh-huh. Um, if there's nothing on that urine sample, then there is the possibility of, at her age, becoming incontinent and needing medication for that. But right. the other thing being a schnauzer is that I would also want to screen her for is bladder stones or bladder crystals. Um, as right. a breed, they're a little bit overrepresented there. Um, uh-huh. So definitely if it's not urinary tract infection and it's not incontinence, we would need to just consider that, um, okay. that well, as a possibility did, as well. Yeah. She did have um, bladder stones when she was four. Okay. Did she need surgery for that? Uh, yes, yes. Um, she was in the hospital uh, in the vets, you know, and she had um, the mouth. Yeah. Um, and they said they can reoccur, but... She's 12. It's been, you know, nearly eight years. Yeah. Judy, knowing that history that she's had them before is a giant red flashing light for me that they've reoccurred as a possibility. So definitely Uh get that um, freshly voided urine sample into the vet and a consult consult for her and uh, get this sorted. All right, uh, best of luck with all of that, guys. We've only got about 60 seconds left, so what we'll try to do this. This is our Dog and Cat of the Week Express edition. Um, up on our website, the, we have Pepper, the eight-year-old Lab, Staffy, and Daisy, a gorgeous black and white cat. So um, any thoughts on our Lab, Staffy, today? Very happy-looking dog. <laughs> Thanks, Cheryl, for that. <laughs> all right, go ahead, Gianna. Oh, it looks like, um, looks like a great family pet. Mm. Thanks, team. All right. <laughs> <laughs> there, 
It was the Express edition, I suppose. You asked for That's Express, what, you got Express. You got it. We really did. All right, now, if you want to have an addition to your family, dog or a cat, some great additions up there. Uh, but our webpage, uh, thanks to the gang uh, at, uh, at Dog Rescue and, uh, and um, Animal Rescue Newcastle. Uh, Cheryl Shaw, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. You're yes. off now. Yes. And Dr. Fiona, we'll see you whenever you're here next. In the next few weeks, yeah. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.